Have you heard about the Christchurch coal? Well, you're about to. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Every Saturday from 3 to 6, waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty and our rights and our protections. And today is no exception to that. Although it feels like something that's happening globally outside this country, particularly starting in New Zealand, of all places, I think this is a a very important, significant moment. So there's a thing that came out this week, I believe, called the Christchurch Call. And it's a compact among a lot of nations, not the United States. The United States said that they felt that this might run afoul of the First Amendment to the Constitution, but we were one of the only states, countries that really legally could not sign on to this thing, which I consider to be a new age of global Internet censorship and suppression. And I feel like that it's very significant that the U.S. did not feel at liberty to sign this because citing the First Amendment, because as I have said before, with the Second Amendment and what happened in New, this all calls back to the New Zealand, the mosque massacre of March 15th, I think it was, that the First and Second Amendments of our Constitution are, are First and Second for a reason. And those are the two amendments that are in the crosshairs right now. And what's happening, and this is, it's not that they are in the crosshairs here, but that the principles on which they rely are in the crosshairs everywhere around the world. And But the fact that we have those in writing and they are hard, they're hard to get past. They, they are infringed upon. The Supreme Court facilitates their weakening all the time. But they do provide a touchstone for people for their rights, an, objecti- an objective black letter law of where, of where government's rights are limited where what we've delegated, the power we've delegated to government is limited by our exercising our rights. And I've often said that the Bill of Rights, the United States Bill of Rights, is what stands between the world and global tyranny. The world. And this is a good example. We keep the world in check for as long as we can hold the line. But what we, but so the Trump administration didn't even send uh, somebody to this this meeting, which was spearheaded by France and New Zealand. But they did say, although we cannot sign on to this because of the First Amendment, we agree with it in principle. So they like what these guys are trying to do. And the way it's worded, the entire thing is worded that it that it starts out by saying, this is a way for us to control terrorism and extreme violence online. So already when you take it to the point where it's online, you're talking it's it isn't actual violence, right? So it's a call to violence, it's radicalization, they they it, it's those are the two phrases they use over and over again, terrorism and extreme uh, violence. And but at the end of it it says this is just the beginning. We're going to broaden our definition of what needs to be suppressed. So I want to go through this document, the Christchurch calls, just a few pages. 
and talk about how what they're doing is getting Internet companies together to suppress uh, speech, political um, people who object to the government, to their policy, to maybe wars. I think that's really what underlies this all. And while our government could not sign on to it, our big tech companies are cooperating with it. And since they have this practically monopolistic position here, and we've somehow become totally reliant in just maybe one decade on this virtual world for economics, the, it doesn't. It, we don't have to make laws about it. And actually, an interesting thing they're doing in New Zealand is taking the approach economically. So let me kind of back up. I'm not sure that was crystal clear what I'm getting at, but we're going to talk about this new protocol, the Christchurch call. But I want to tell you what alerted me to it was something that's happening in New Zealand. There's uh, an article I was reading in the New Zealand Herald. The title is Police Watch List Has Officers Visiting Those Dobbed, or Like Fingered, on Tip Lines and Who Post Conspiracy Theories Online. So it says police officers trying to stop another terror attack are visiting social media users who post conspiracy theories. And they're visiting people who unwittingly bought goods from websites with far right or white nationalist links. Others winding up on the police persons of interest list have been dobbed in sometimes maliciously or ignorantly uh, by members of the public. So it's people who you want to mess with somebody you don't like, you call the cops and say, oh, they they bought prepping stuff from Alex Jones. So when they talk about far right or white nationalist links, uh, there's there is another law that you should be aware of that, again, that we did not sign called the global UN Global Compact on the Safe and Orderly on Safe and Orderly Migration. And it's about international rules and guidelines for border enforcement, for um, for nurturing refugees as they cross borders. And some people in New Zealand, because New Zealand did sign on to that, and some people in New Zealand are speaking out against it because they they always had a very strict immigration policy, a very kind of um, monoculture, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to label it, but and Australia was like that too for a long time, and then they've had a. Uh, Big changes. This kind of thing would promote big changes, and I think they care about their quirky culture or whatever. You know, so so people who are speaking out about against this perhaps are being labeled in these ways when they're not terrorists or violent extremists. They're really just engaging in political discourse, but they're being labeled and targeted. So that is the question: is where do these labels begin and end? And where do sovereign rights begin and end? Are you are are you really not entitled to object to policy that is basically imposed from an outside country or organization like the UN? I don't know. These are all questions I want to get to on the show. Uh, as a matter of fact, feel free to call 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can also tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. So I want to keep reading from this thing. It says, the raids in New Zealand uh, 
follow each of the 12 police districts drawing up a watch list of individuals to keep an eye on following the terror attack in Christchurch. The list was pulled together from various intelligence reports, social media posts, or tip-offs from people concerned about behavior. The Herald has identified three people who have faced police visits after posting to social media views which would commonly be considered conspiracy theories or views which voice frustration over 1080 and immigration. I don't know what that is, their laws. Through a belief, attempts to curb hate speech is an infringement on free speech. So this is where the waters get muddied and we're going to have to start paying attention because a conspiracy theory may be true. (laughs) So... If you if you are not allowed to talk about that, and I got the feeling with this Christ Church call that a lot of the suppression, a lot of this suppression of live streaming, you might have heard Facebook is going to curb live streaming or censor it or whatever, that perhaps a big reason for that is they don't want what might be things, uh, events that are happening on the ground that don't agree with the official narrative that they are trying to establish on a certain event or whatever, that they are, they want to suppress kind of citizen journalism. I noticed that came down like a, like an iron curtain after the Parkland, uh, shooting in Florida is that all of a sudden Google searches were absolutely censored out 90% of what might have helped fill in some blanks in the official narrative. They really want to control that narrative. And as my trusty producer Binkley here has pointed out, that kind of censorship, that kind of suppression is often put in place at the beginning of a war. And that, that's why all of this dovetails with the other most alarming thing I noticed this week, which is that uh, the drum beats are getting louder as far as Iran is concerned. And what it looks like to you as being genuine discord at the top, real differences of opinion or an official resistance to going into Iran, I think is just a show for what I'm becoming increasingly alarmed about as uh, as reckless behavior towards Iran. And if our past holds true, and if calls for false flags against Iran, which I will prove to you shortly, are really in the offing, then you're not going to want people live streaming stuff around events that are being used for propaganda purposes. So... Let us try to spend the rest of this time unpacking that, even though I'm supposed to hate the expression unpacking, but it really, it works for me. I don't know. So there's a lot there, and I'm going to try to uh, uh, help connect the dots between this increasing censorship and what I think may be the onset of uh, a big, bad war. So let's... Let's get to that one item at a time after the break. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Evil does seek to maintain power by suppressing the truth. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. We have a prize pack for you. It is a pair of tickets to see country music artist Dirks Bentley on his Burning Man tour Friday, June 14th at Amaris Bank Amphitheater in Alpharetta with special guests John Party, Tennille Towns, and Hot Country Nights. 
Tickets are on sale now at LiveNation.com. And the first to call 404-741-0750 gets that prize pack. So here we are. Uh, I'm talking about uh, kind of a big, big picture. I probably should have said this in the beginning. Big, big picture that I believe, I saw a couple of headlines this week that yesterday and today that really alarmed me. One headline was Trump isolated on Iran as world sees confusion in U.S. strategy. That was today. Yesterday, front page of the Wall Street Journal, top headline, intelligence suggests U.S.-Iran misread each other's actions. Now, the reason this alarms me, so most people think, well, thank goodness, Tucker Carlson is on the job holding Trump's feet to the fire over Iran. But this is alarming me more than anything has ever alarmed me on the war with Iran front, and I'll tell you why. At least a year ago, I started to, I was wondering why are they painting Trump as a a rogue? Why did he just pop off with tomahawk weapons uh, on Syria? Why would he do that? For no reason at all, he is, and why did he say, oh, well, Ivanka told me to do it? Why would you say that? Why is he being painted? Why is he painting himself as emotional, impulsive, short-sighted, um, unmanageable? Why? And, well, some people will say because he is. But I just don't believe that. And you know who I think would have called BS on that? Joan Rivers. She knew him. She thought he was smart. Yeah, I think she would have called BS on it. But she's not here anymore. So, sadly... So I speculated that maybe he was being portrayed that way so he could get us into a truly insane war with Iran, insane from the perspective of American interests, but foreign interests, not insane. Uh, The military industrial complex, not insane. Energy, any of that, not insane. The bankers, uh, defense, not insane. But for the American people, it would be insane. And that is not what Trump was elected for. So how do you justify that without saying our government's been captured by a deep state? Not an Obama deep state, but a different kind of deep state. How do you justify that? You justify it by saying this guy is operating outside the establishment, and that's what you get for voting for him. So it will be our fault to have this crazy war. How does that dovetail into the New Zealand protocol? I'll let you know right after the break. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. No, never give up, never surrender. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to wake people up to the true threats to our liberties, to our rights, to our protections. You hear the left and the right act like they are each defending the Constitution all the time. But when it comes to their own pockets or their own interests, they throw that stuff out the window overnight. Like the Republicans brought the Defense of Marriage Act, which is completely in violation of the Tenth Amendment. They brought it. Clinton signed it. Scratch your head. Why? Why would Clinton sign that? And lo and behold, the Supreme Court overthrows it and overcompensates by forbidding states from addressing marriage issues unregulatedly. So I feel the same way with these abortion laws that are coming down. 
regardless of how you uh, how I mean, Roe versus Wade, regardless of how you feel about abortion, Roe versus Wade is a, is not in the Constitution to me. Like it just isn't. I mean, if there's that kind of a right to privacy, then there should it should be illegal for a state unconstitutional for a state to not let you grow and smoke your own pot. And that's never been ruled a constitutional right. And that's privacy, what you're doing with your body. If it's growing in your backyard and you're not even cultivating it, are you allowed to smoke it? No. So, or certainly there's no constitutional right to stop a state from putting a law in place for that. So when they talk about the, uh, they, they, this abortion law challenging Roe versus Wade, and you have Brett Kavanaugh who said Roe versus Wade is settled law. Is he going to pull a Roberts? Probably. If he has to, he might not have to. If this galvanizes the left to the point where they actually win in 2020 because the last stand of the two-party PSYOP, the psychological operation that convinces us that the two parties are indispensable, is the Supreme Court on the indispensable wedge issues of the Second Amendment and abortion. And if you've got a a so-called conservative like Brett Kavanaugh saying Roe versus Wade is settled law, that really defangs abortion as the rallying cry for the National Democratic Party. So what do these abortion laws, these these abortion laws that are clearly de facto vacating Roe versus Wade and will not stand, I think, Supreme Court scrutiny, it it gets that issue to once again be something the left has to worry about. It's it's just that's how race is another indispensable wedge issue that I thought, how can they possibly maintain the political power of this issue when Obama was elected clearly by supermajority? You can't, you know, or a large majority. How can you keep that going? But they did. I think it was they manufactured a lot of unrest on purpose so that they could keep that politically important issue alive. So I'm saying the left and the right are not ideologically pure. They're not really defending your constitutional rights. They uh, they will do whatever is expedient for their interests, and they'll use deception for it. And I think that's all the propaganda that you get, all the real, the mainstream 24-7 Cable news that just never stops drilling the same memes into your head. The same you'll never you find all these different people on the screen, and you'll never see anybody who has a, a profoundly different viewpoint. Even to the point where, when it comes to something like a war with Iran, you're going to have Wolf Blitzer and Chef Smith, Chef Smith and Jake Tapper and Bill Hemmer come at you from all different angles. But in the end, Iran is bad and needs to be stopped. That's what you're going to hear. You're never going to hear anything that doesn't always come to the same synthetic conclusion. And because of that, you are going to get all the media outlets to to tote that party line, toe the line, toe the line, and quiet down people who come to them with unpatriotic facts, as we discovered with the Notre Dame uh, conspiracy theories. But there's a whole nother source of total information control out there, and that's the Internet, which is a great place for them to push their propaganda and a great place for them, them meaning the, the war powers, the whatever, military-industrial complex, whatever. 
uh, when you go to the, it, it all goes straight to, so the internet has this like propaganda value and the surveillance value, but it also, in order for it to have credibility, because it was created by DARPA, in order for it to have credibility, we had to use it for some some information that's against the interests of the military-industrial complex. That's why we had the free internet for a while. But now it needs to be censored because it's been established as a surveillance tool. It's been established as a propaganda tool, and it needs to be censored. So how are they censoring it and why? Well, on the one hand, there's a very big picture of kind of you know, global domination, world government, the, the, the world corporation. But in order to get there, you have to suppress non-aligned nations, places that don't share your values or who compete with you in, the, in energy domination, whatever. For whatever reason, if you are this globalist cabal, there are people who you're not going to share with and they're not going to share with you. So you got to suppress them. So when you go around to different countries... Syria, Ukraine, Venezuela, uh, and Egypt, and undermine, in most of those cases, democratic governments, uh, you're doing that for some other purpose. And and if people here really understood all the details of it, it wouldn't work. You just wouldn't be able to do it because you can't say, you can't take out Morsi and Yanukovych and Chavez in the name of democracy because they were elected. So you've got to suppress that noise, and especially in the lead-up to a war. I think the war is going to be Iran, but Venezuela is also in the hot seat. So that's why that is that is the purpose. I think suppressing guns and free speech, the two, the two First and Second Amendments in our Bill of Rights, the two biggest rights and protections that we have against an overreaching government— are first and second for a reason. And those happen to be the two things that New Zealand went after in the wake of this Christchurch massacre. And one of the things that they did was uh, they voted immediately. I mean, immediately, the parliament in New Zealand voted 119 to 1 (laughs) to ban most, quote, assault rifles. And now they have the Christchurch Protocol, which we're going to read, that talks about how uh, uh, the first step in total Internet suppression. But I want to – so I want to tell you what they're actually doing on the ground in New Zealand, and then I want to talk to you about how they're leveraging that crisis into a worldwide censorship program. So Binkley, my producer here, has – always highlighted the connection between censorship and war and this this fits that description right yeah perfectly what do you what um what do you see as the pattern this fits give us an analogy or historical example. before world war one they were trying to there was a battle over control of the systems of mass communications that have just arisen and to me this is uh actually I will even challenge that or or dig deeper on that. Did they just arise? Right. Yeah. <laughs> they were put out there, kind of like you said. We're talking about how DARPA created the Internet. Yeah, I think – I believe that um, wasn't CBS or actually certainly the BBC uh, was a function of the War Department in England. Yeah. 
for example. Absolutely. And people say that about the C- about CBS here. I don't know. Uh, haven't investigated that myself, and but I'm pretty sure I did see that too. So they, it's not so much that. So they're they're designed as they're called media outlets. They're established as propaganda outlets, but they have to be controlled. So they start as limited hangouts, and then that hangout gets clawed back. Is how I see it, and it sounds like that's just that's the way it's always been. Yeah, I think the CIA document we talked about a, a while back uh, talked about how. You want to control as many outlets as you can control. So if there's too many, you rein it back in. Yeah, so you look like there's a diversity of ideas. And in reality, the only thing that survives is the stuff that you can control. Mm -hmm. Which is why when they have something like the Christchurch Protocol or call, they're calling it, um, call to action, I guess. And they – and the U.S. is not – doesn't feel like it's even worth signing because you could never stand up to First Amendment scrutiny. But they are asking and getting the voluntary cooperation of, let me see what, if I have here, who it is. I, I saw a list of it earlier. It was just like all the all the usual suspects, Amazon, Facebook, Google. Every, it's a long list. Well, the, what I was looking at was just that, those few. I can't believe I didn't, I didn't highlight it. Uh, so... It probably is a long list because in it, in this item, it says in this protocol, whatever, it talks a few times about how to address smaller companies. Yeah. And and one thing it says is we will and this is just the carrot. You know, I can't tell you even the withholding tax. People didn't want the withholding tax like where you can't go on a tax protest. You can't protest taxes because they take it from you. Your employer would have to do it for you and then you get shut down, right? But they they said, oh, we'll give you the first year free. You don't have to pay income tax the first year if you saw, if you ratify yeah. this. And then, of course, everybody did it. How long ago was that? 80 years? I mean, or however long ago it was, and we still pay the price for that little gimme up front. They're saying, <laughs> oh, we'll share technology with you. Yeah. We're, we'll help you, little guy. Just just sign just sign this sign this paper. Don't don't look at the disappearing ink. You know, just sign the paper. This is it's not your soul. No, no, no. Yeah. So I feel like that that is part of that is that to get the little guys in line. But here we do such a good t- job of like uh, favoring the very very biggest guys through. I mean, there's just endless documentation of DARPA and other government agencies picking winners, helping. Um, incubating Sergey Brin and the rest of them that I think our guys are already basically under control. And it's very hard to have upstarts. I'm going to tell you why I think this kind of thing is unnecessary, even for legitimate threats. And we can get into that uh, as the show progresses. But I want to talk a little more about what they're doing. Then I want to take off the Christchurch call and... uh, then we're going to move on to kind of bigger questions of sovereignty. One of the things this a YouTuber who was um, aggressively approached by police in this New Zealand story, he says that the reason he is uh, targeted is that they call him a xenophobe or racist because he objects to the UN uh, global. I don't even know. I never even heard of it. And uh, the the. Global Compact on Refugee and Migration 
protocols or something like that. I never even heard of it. And he's saying that's what uh, almost all the countries except for ours have signed up for it. And to me, that opens up the question. I'm a libertarian. I believe in the right to work and travel, but I have to acknowledge sovereignty is a thing. And and we should talk about that if it's a legitimate thing. And if it is, what does that mean for political discourse? So those are some big topics. Happy to hear your views on them. 800-WSB-TALK or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's all real. Oh, my God. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Talking about what's kind of worldwide effort to suppress the Internet. And I've got to wonder why. Why now? In part, I think it's because they're trying to gin up a war with Iran. Maybe it looks like a bluff or it looks like, oh, they'd never. I think that that could be part of what's happening. Uh, I think what it, I want to talk more about the crackdown in New Zealand. One of the YouTubers who was approached by the police, who actually he said they shut down his street and sent 15 guys with big guns to his house on a Sunday morning, which was very embarrassing for him and his family. And uh, he said he's just a YouTuber. He gives speeches. That's all he does. He doesn't even have guns. So what did they want? And uh, they one of the things they said one of the things he said that he talks a lot about is this U.N. Global Compact on Safe and Orderly Migration. And I'll tell you, if we had signed that, some of the things they talk about make me think that you'd have blue helmets at the border in with Mexico right now because it's about, like, children's migration status. But one of the things it says in that is refugees who are on the move for reasons beyond their control. But, in fact, they're not reasons beyond our control. Because they are uh, a result of our interference in these foreign countries like Iran. It spreads terrorism and refugees all around the world. So let's take a step back and try to stop the crisis. Then invite the U.N. in to help us with the crisis that is inevitable if we go down this path. Let's talk more about that. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every week, looking at the stories that we are presented from official channels. And I'm telling you why. I'm telling you why, because the stories are important, but you're not getting the real story. So there there are the, the there have been reports on the Christchurch call. There has, which is the internet censorship protocol that most of the countries in the world have signed following the terror attack in New Zealand, where uh, the official story says a white nationalist uh, live streamed his attack on two mosques, 
It's a small place. <laughs> Somebody from Christchurch called into my show when we originally went through that story talking about how the official narrative just doesn't make sense. So I don't know what the real narrative is. And now I personally think that the that one of the main goals for this Christchurch call is to help governments and Internet outlets suppress the citizen journalism the on-the-spot recordings, videotaping of these events because these events, whether they're let to happen or provoked or created or actually are happening spontaneously, the story, the narrative is spun sometimes before within seconds or minutes of the situation getting under control before the true story could possibly be known in any true criminal investigatory sense, yet yet there it is. And And when you hear that, you know that they're spinning an official narrative. And when you see citizen journalism that adds details that don't fit with that it undermines the message that they're trying to send the narrative they're trying to send because they always have this in my opinion a ready-made agenda and events of the day plug into that so i noticed this absolutely happened like uh the iron curtain fell especially on google after parkland in florida so since then actually the other day i was looking up it was pertinent to the Mueller thing. The Mueller report says is about Russia trying to interfere in our elections. And the funny the thing that's the elephants that are not talked about, the white elephants in the room, are one that many countries try to interfere with our elections, not least of which is our former mother, England, who's Royal Institute for International Affairs, now called the Chatham House, has the CFR, the Council of Foreign Relations, here in this country that Hillary called the mothership, (laughs) where she gets her marching orders. No joke. Dick Cheney said the same thing. So, or something similar to that. He said, but don't tell my constituents in Wisconsin or Wyoming or whatever. Yuck, yuck. No, not cool. So it's above the parties, obviously. And we get those kind of outside interference, totally unconstitutional and illegal. And at the same time, much more egregiously, we interfere in the democratic elections and governments of other countries. So I was looking for the many, many pieces of evidence from hidden audio on Victoria Newland organizing a coup in Ukraine to a text that came out of uh, last-minute diplomatic meetings with Morsi before he was overthrown by the military strongman LCC, LCC. And one of his aides had tweeted or not tweeted, texted to somebody else, texted out of the room. Uh, Mother America says we stop playing in one hour. And that was Morsi was not going to capitulate to being a puppet of our shadow government there. And Susan Rice was the one who delivered the order. Hey, you got an hour. And then it's over. And it was. So I knew that quote by heart. I had it in my WordPress account, which was purged. So I had to Google it. And I'm telling you, like 12 million responses or whatever, and it wasn't there. So I switched to DuckDuckGo, and it came up immediately the first thing because it was a quote that I remembered word for word. 
So I could tell that Google was suppressing it on purpose. And then when you read this Christchurch call, it talks about how to do that, how to help people do that, how to help even small competitors do that. And that, and I should just say, maybe you, either they're suppressing, that's truth. That's not, uh, that wasn't dangerous extremism or terrorism or anything. It was just a political truth. But when they talk about extremism and terror and all that stuff and suppressing it online, there is already a way to deal with this kind of thing. And that is, so these aren't actually, these are radicalization, right? These aren't actually violent people in the act of violence where you could like find them and arrest them because it's not happening in the physical world. But it is happening on a platform and a platform when there's, if there were competition among the platforms, some platforms could self-censor or have certain protocols. Some could have less, some could have more. If you have less and your users create violence through this in a way that you can be held responsible for. So you would be bankrupted out of business. Look at what was the one that went down, Gawker, just for publicizing a sex tape. So the process would be Somebody did something on your platform. You went to trial, proved that that person did it, proved that there were damages, proved that you were responsible, and then you are held accountable. Either the way Gawker was, which bankrupted them into oblivion, or, and this was actually a complete miscarriage of justice because he was set up and and he did not have a fair trial, but Ross Ulbricht is serving a double life sentence plus 40 with no chance of parole in a maximum security prison for having a, a website that people supposedly were selling drugs on and people supposedly died doing those drugs. But the two guys who said that, who arranged the evidence for that, a DA agent and a Secret Service agent, are both in jail for six years for malfeasance in their prosecution of the case against Ross Ulbricht and Ross Ulbricht's jury was not allowed to know that. So that was not fair. But I'm telling you that the, the, the things are in place to punish you if you facilitate crimes. You do not need a global protocol for all the countries and all the internet providers around the world to go in and pri- pri- prioritize this stuff. My And they talk about, in in some of the research I've done, I think maybe right in this document right here, they talk about how they, oh yeah, it's over and over again in here, how they take whatever search you're doing and they redirect it to something positive. They can redirect it, redirect it, redirect it. I'll tell you, I watch my son who has Down syndrome looking for My Little Pony and Disney stuff, and I'll watch it with him. We can watch YouTube on TV. Maybe everybody can, but it was like a revelation to me. So watch YouTube on TV. And there's like top 10 princesses, top 10 romances, top 10 songs of Disney. And then all of a sudden it switches channels and it says top 10 things that in Disney movies that are inappropriate for children. So then we're watching uh, stuff I'm not going to say on the air in the same tone, same kind of thing. So Google found that stuff for this kid. It auto it auto played it. We were just watching it on TV, and these videos were just coming up, coming up, coming up. And sometimes the one, my famous one, the one that was just like, "What?" He was watching SpongeBob, and it came up why Squidward is suicidal, or things like that. So they are redirecting, right? But they're 
if all this stuff is controlled like that, you've got to wonder why they're what the Defense Department in their mimetic warfare slideshow said uh, as far as attacking other cultures, they would enhance dysfunctional subcultures. That's what it seems like they're doing here. So I don't buy that they're doing this for our own good, blah, blah, blah. They're not. There are other ways to do it. They're doing it for some purpose. And the purpose is censorship for policies that we would not abide by if we were fully informed. And that's that's where I come out. So let's start. Uh, Binkley's great at this, too, my producer, uh, f- figuring out what's really going on with censorship, propaganda, information control generally. So, Binkley, you have this – you read this Christchurch call, right? Yeah. Uh, and this just fits right into what we were talking about before the break, about how uh, they they do this kind of thing before every war, not just World War One, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, before any conflict because the idea is that you have to have unity uh, as a nation to engage in a war and support that war. Uh, foreign policy-wise, anyway. They can keep you divided domestically, but there has to be unity against a common aggressor. As a matter of fact, you could connect those two and say if they foment domestic crisis, whether it's conflict or the Great Depression or whatever, people start getting desperate. There's a book by Fritz. I forget his name. called The Politics of Cultural Despair about Hitler's rise in Germany. And if you don't have cultural despair, you can sure gin it up. And that's what I've been looking at. And if you have that, it's not like from the Great Depression to the great inflation in Germany, that both of those led to a big war. Yeah. Made uh, wh- people unify behind it, right? Yeah. yeah a, a way to do that, to gin that up, is to ri- raise expectations that are impossible to meet. What do you mean? Uh, the idealism that we hear of some of these appeals – the progressives are making these uh, expectations of everything is a right. You, you know, you're supposed to be given everything. So you're ex- you're expecting to get all of this stuff, whether it's equality, whether it's to get into a school that is not it's not right. It's not a right. You have to go out and get it. So then they're all PO'd and yeah. are ready for war or they want the war. Well, that gets them in a position where they're they're malleable to. Well, uh, to I'll propaganda. tell you. If you have an unruly youth, sometimes more conservative elements in society or older or whatever, history has shown they think sending them off to war is a great way to grow them up a bit. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> Yikes. Well, I think that's where we're headed with this thing. So uh, let's let's. You said something about them redirecting users. I have that part right here. All right. Well, let's get to it after the break. Okay. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Bring big drama show. Let's go. Let's do it. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about this. Censorship is coming and maybe to uh, war. Let's take some calls. 800 WSB Talk. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to John and Conyers. Hi, John. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Love your show. Man, I got quite a story. Well, you've got like. One minute. Go. All right. Well, I am a computer expert. I decided to install McAfee, and they were going to monitor my social profile. And I went on, and I've been, you know, just 
reporting stuff about crime internationally, and, and then they told me it was a hate speech thing. Within hours or so, uh, my account was disabled on Facebook. I was delegitimized, and then they asked for actual government ID, which they sent me. When I saw the actual address on the sheet for the code to put in online to verify my ID, it said, Facebook one hack away. I said, I'm done with all social media. I'm a computer expert. I've also checked out that my my mail on my on my Apple device and everybody's Apple device gets routed to a Kamii servers, third-party servers, and they're not even on Apple's servers only. They're, they get routed. And it's so, unreal. So I've set up my computer. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm. I I think you're right. Social media is more trouble than it's worth. And uh, and that thing about the emails when when this Mueller report, the DNC leaks came out. Bill Binney, who's a NSA whistleblower, said they all ultimately everything goes through NSA servers that's going across the internet. So well, if they, yeah. yeah, I love William Binney. I've seen. A, I've seen his documentary, A Good American, and if anybody needs to check out Google, they need to get on Amazon and watch The Creepy Line. Oh, yes, I've heard about that. That's a great note to end on, John. Thanks for the great call. Uh, next time, hopefully, I'll have more time, but i got to wrap it up for a hard break. We're going to come back and talk about uh, what John is touching on is this censorship. It's already starting here, and we don't need to sign any protocol to get it done. Our Our big tech is doing it voluntarily but let's let's uh, get some some structure around this and see what's coming down 800 wsb talk or you can tweet at me at monica perez show monica perez they think they control the galaxy i disagree on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb waking atlanta up to the true threats to your liberty every saturday from three to six and I'm telling you, this, even though the United States did not sign the Christchurch call, it is a true threat to our liberty, not only because our big tech, which is really the only ones who need to sign on to this, are doing it anyway. They're going to keep doing it. Uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg. The last paragraph in the Christchurch call, which the subtitle is to eliminate terrorist and violent extremist content online. So all this stuff that's in here about suppressing the Internet, about um, uh, curating live stream videos, about taking stuff off, all of it, every single word of it is couched in terms of eliminating terrorist and violent extremist content online. But the last paragraph says uh, that what they're going to do, they're uh, uh, signing on to this affirms our willingness to work together uh, and they acknowledge that governments, online service providers, and civil society, whatever that means, may wish to take further cooperative action, so they conspire and collude, is what cooperative action, to address, here it is, a broader range of harmful online content, such as the actions that will be discussed further during the G7 Biarritz Summit, in the G20, the Akaba process, the five-country ministerial, and a range of other fora, meaning forums. <laughs> if the grammar, the correct grammar on their part throws you off. Uh, so a broader range of harmful online content, broader than terrorism and violent extremism. So why, why what does that mean? Terrorism and violent extremism, who can argue with that? Anything you do, if it's terrorism or violent extremism, because those are crimes. Now, online content, online content 
is not the crime of violence, right? I mean, although Binkley, my producer here, has called a long time ago that the virtual world is going to have virtual crime, right? Like, that's how it's going to be identified. What was your idea that you could actually be arrested in real life for a virtual crime? Yeah, there already, there's been accusations. Brain raping of, somebody? <laughs> yeah, of sexual assault in virtual games where the people don't even have a body. They just have floating hands. <laughs> and the, and those floating hands can touch your floating right. things? But the idea that we're going to be, be living a, a digital <laughs> world and everything, physical crimes can occur in that yeah, world, yeah. that's going to be a real thing. Right. I mean, brain rape used to be a metaphor for stealing someone's ideas, but now I feel like (laughs) it's going to be a crime. So, but here's the thing. So violent extremism is, you know, violence is violence. Violence is a crime. Terrorism, I believe, implies violence. Well, it implies terror. It implies scaring people is what terrorism is. But a broader range of harmful online content. As soon as you say that, as soon as you say that, you're including conspiracy theories and xenophobia, which means... You're you're questioning what's really going on, and they're telling you in the same paragraph that they anticipate conspiracies among governments, online service providers, and civil society further cooperate at these these forums, that you're not going to have 100% transparency at these forums. That's not going to happen. So, and the xenophobia thing is, here's the thing. I am a libertarian. You can... It may be hard for you to wrap your mind around the fact that I live in a country and my kids are growing up with laws and that country is highly controlled and the laws matter and shape our world. I can tell you what my ideology is. The right to work and travel would not be infringed if we didn't tie it with citizenship and the right to vote. But we do. Why? I don't know. Why you can't. If you just let people have their right to work and travel, they would come and go. They wouldn't retire here. It's too expensive. They would just come and serve you and leave like they used to do or come and integrate economically. You have a welfare state. People can't. People don't have to integrate economically. And if if this country, our culture is economic. Our culture is material. It's it. The business of this country is business. Isn't that what Wilson said? So, or whoever, I I doubt it was Wilson. He wasn't. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, my point is there are so, there are many, many ways to, uh, to respect the right to work and travel in a free society. We don't have a free society. And if we, if we neutralize ourselves, if us, we libertarians neutralize ourselves by not opining on, the country as it is, you don't ever have to advocate for any law you don't believe in, but we can talk about it. So we we should talk about if sovereignty right now is a way to keep the outside world from tearing down the Bill of Rights because it looks like we're the last stand of true liberty. And if you're going to tear down those walls of sovereignty, you're probably not – going to spread freedom around the world at this point. So I wrote a, a, a very comprehensive article. Is that redundant? I read a, wrote a comprehensive article about a cause called the libertarian immigration conundrum about these competing rights issues and uh, how you want to deal with it. So when the UN has a, a global 
compact, which is an agreement, on migration and refugees and how to control children at the border, how to help you control your borders, how you should settle these people, how to divide the refugees up around the world. At the same time, we, for example, and our allies go through these countries and blow them up and the prison doors open and terrorists flood out. And then we say, well, we can't have civil rights here because we have terrorists. Like, well, that's what they were doing over there. You, you say we have to go over to those countries and free people because they don't have their civil rights uh, uh, respected. And they have jails full of people, political prisoners. Yeah, I don't like that. I mean, but we have a foreign policy that creates refugees and spreads terrorism. So... If we want to have this conversation about the causes of the refugee crisis and the solutions to it, this U.N. protocol has in it some elements that talk about addressing domestic populations, xenophobia, rooting it out. And, okay, if xenophobia is tantamount to racism or hate, I mean, that's a a sin against the Holy Spirit. It's wrong. It's bad. I don't like it. But if they're using that as a euphemism or a you know fake term for people who simply want to have this discussion about immigration policy, and then they they say those people are people who contribute to dangerous online content, hateful online content, then we have problems. Then we have Political suppression, which is why they the U.S. can't sign on to this stuff. They'd rather do it through the back door. They'd rather do it through their captive big tech companies than have it above board. And you see that it can't get through judicial scrutiny. So then you then I look back at the 1975 Trilateral Commission study pulled together by Zbigniew Brzezinski called The Crisis of Democracy, where he says the answer to that is to make sure everyone is beholden to a non-democratic institution, to make sure that these government functions are carried out by non-governmental organizations who are not answerable to these people. And today in the Wall Street Journal was a section, an entire section called The Global Crisis of Democracy. And it was written by an advisor to the National Endowment for Democracy, which is long established as a government front operation for regime change. If I recall correctly, so uh, so when I when I read these things, I see uh, there was there's another section in here. It says, okay, so now in the context of all that, there's a, a sentence in here that says one of the things we're going to do is develop processes allowing governments and online service providers to respond rapidly, effectively, and in a coordinated manner. To the dissemination of terrorists or violent extremist content following a terrorist event. Okay. So following a terrorist event, after the horse is out of the barn, you want to stop any communication about that event. That struck me as weird that that's one of their priorities. And I realized, well, what if they're not telling us the truth about the events? What if it's what this guy is calling for and they don't want us to call him out on it? It's... This is a – Rachel, I'm going to play these clips. This is uh, Patrick Clawson in 2012. He's the director of research for the Washington Institute for Near East Policy, which has an influence. George W. Bush sang its praises. It's an influential and respected organization, powerful think tank. And uh, this is what 
he's calling for. Let's hear um, their two clips. Let's hear clip one, the longer one first. I frankly think that crisis initiation is really tough. And it's very hard for me to see how the United States uh, president can get us to war with Iran. Um, which leads me to conclude that if, in fact, compromise is not coming, that the traditional way of America gets to war is what would be best for U.S. interests. Uh, some people might think that Mr. Roosevelt wanted to get us into World War II, as David mentioned. You may recall we had to wait for Pearl Harbor. Some people might think Mr. Wilson wanted to get us into World War I. You may recall he had to wait for the Lusitania episode. Some people might think that Mr. Johnson wanted to send troops to Vietnam. You may recall we had to wait for the Gulf of Tonkin episode. Uh, we didn't go to war with Spain until the USS, uh, yes. until the Maine exploded. And may I point out that Mr. Lincoln did not feel he could call out the Federal Army until Fort Sumter was attacked, which is why he ordered the commander at Fort Sumter to do exactly that thing which the South Carolinians had said would cause an attack. So if, in fact, the Iranians aren't going to compromise, it would be best if somebody else started the war. And just in case you don't understand exactly what he means, let's hear clip two. We are in the game of using covert means against the Iranians. We, we could get nastier at that. So what I'm saying is, if that's the kind of thing they're cooking up, that wasn't that long ago. If that, and there's a lot of other stuff, too, that kind of echoes that. But if that's the kind of thing they're cooking up, they don't want us looking at the, the main and saying the Gulf of Tonkin didn't really happen. Look into the Gulf of Tonkin if you don't know what that's about. They don't want you telling that story in real time, not only undermining their goals, but backfiring, you know, on them. That's not what they want. So so it's possible there's a lot of problems with this Christchurch call, but it's possible that part of it is to let make us less able to scrutinize their behavior. They already have the press for the most part in their pockets. And now they have to control all the other avenues of information. And I think that's what, what this is largely about. So uh, there's so much more that we're going to tell you about. Binkley found one of the references I was looking for earlier. We'll get to that right after the break. 800-WSB-TALK. Uh, you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Talking about uh, the deeper meaning of what you're hearing in the news, and always good for that, is uh, caller Maurice. So I'm going to Maurice, and he usually is the only guy I know who goes deeper down the rabbit hole than I do. How are you? You're on the air, buddy. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. Um, You know, uh, the thing that I brought up is kind of, it seems askew to what you've been discussing, but it's not. And the reason I I bring it up because I'm an optimist and I think everything is changing. So let me lay out the conversation about this controversy. All right, it's a short uh, it's a short segment. So you got one minute, Maurice. Choose wisely okay. what you highlight. Um, Kevin and Ned had just been arrested at the Canadian border, uh, which is a separate conversation. But he has led. Uh, this tribunal, which if you don't know about it, you should look into it. And I've watched the testimony of uh, different uh, SRA victims, as they describe them, 
and they uh, indict both the popes, uh, Benedict. In fact, can, uh, Annette maintains that uh, Benedict stepped down because of what they did, uh, and the, because Spain validated his uh, uh, conjectures, which is that they were uh, conducting uh, a basically pagan rituals with children and uh, killing them. And is this, having the, is this the guy who had that woman from Belgium on where she's like crying for an hour talking about how as a little kid they had her like in a human hunting um, party or something? I think that she Dude. might have been part of all this. There's a number of... of people that gave testimony. All right, I got to take a hard break. I'm going to let you hang on and give you one minute on the other side, but then I got to get through this. I'll talk to you in a sec. This is Monica Perez. Please take my hand. Now open your mind to me. Please open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6, opening your mind and waking you up to the true threats to your liberties, to your rights, to your privileges. That's really what this is all about. So I'm a libertarian. That's my ideology. I believe that there's liberty and justice for all requires economic and personal freedom, which requires personal responsibility. I have an ideology, but I also believe that the Bill of Rights, and I think there's plenty of evidence of it, is really the last stand between the world and world tyranny. That the world looks to us, and if we if if we lose that, if we lose those hard lines, and of course we are losing them, then they can make an excuse to do whatever they want like this Christchurch call about um, suppressing free speech around the world. We could not sign it because we have not totally gutted the First Amendment yet. I'm sure it's coming, but it's not yet. But I had a call before the break. I was uh, Maurice. I'm going to talk to you. Then I'm going to get to Jerry after. But Maurice, you were telling me something. Um, tell me again. What did you were saying that Kevin Annette is he uh-huh. someone you like or don't like? Is he somebody you think is valid? Oh, or... he's great. Oh, he's, he's great. Okay. a hero. Okay, and he calls out just the Vatican on their misconduct or he, just across the board? He, well, if you don't know anything about him, you need to find out. Okay. Even right. after this call. Yes, but, I uh, certainly will. And The what, deal is yeah. he has a, a common law tribunal that has indicted both the queen this is for a libertarian this is a real uh truth to power yeah uh just uh, so that's why it's relevant even on all issues but anyway right, he i've listened to the tribunal uh testimonies and whatever you can do it as well it's not that easy because they're suppressing yeah. it but the point being is he's indicted uh the you know the queen i could talk about that but both popes for pedophilia and child 
uh, sacrifice. All right. Whoa, Maury, slow. Whoa, 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 whoa. I got it. Well, I know. I got it. So, wait, stop, 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 stop. I can't. I, I gotta. I gotta look into that stuff. If you're saying that they he really had a trial and a tribunal, I will. Yes. I will look into that. But I. I don't want to okay. go down that road right now. If you want, to, I'm not gonna cut you off, and I'm not cutting you off for saying. I just that is like okay. out there, and if there's a tribunal, okay. I'll look at it. I'll stop but, on that part. But the yeah. the the reason I brought it up, it's a, a separate issue. Like we could talk about Trump, Trump or the wars or any of this stuff. Yep. It's what I'm saying is that something deeply different is happening in our culture right now that you could have people like Kevin addressing these powers successfully, you know, even though they just busted him. Um, and, uh, you know, Stop that. Out you can't this. say that, Maurice. They're not going to let you stay on. Sorry. You can't do that. That's no good. So hopefully uh, <laughs> that got dumped. Maurice. So anyway, if there is something, if there is some hope for a Batman out there, that would be great. I would love to uh, think that. And I would like some accountability, perhaps, if we can keep the Internet free by staying one step ahead of the censors and the deplatforming. That would be great. That would be maybe our only hope. But maybe not. Maybe there's always hope. I don't know. Uh, I am going to go to Jerry in Johns Creek. Jerry, you are on with Monica. Hey, nice to talk to you again. I will try to – I got a, about five different thoughts I want to roll up, and then I'll back out and let you give your opinion. But I think you'll like it because it involves less government. Okay, so Trump's talking about um, – You, you know, might have to pick one. Do- Hold on. Just pick one. I can't do five. I'll give you a minute. Okay, um, two trillion for infrastructure. Talking about raising taxes, I'm proposing a three percent cut across the board in government spending to be rolled in for the infrastructure. I think if we seal down the border, there's two to three hundred billion there a year that we're spending that could be rolled into infrastructure. Then I wanted to point out to you. Remember when '85? When uh, collapsed. Uh, yes, we did a fantastic show on that. Binkley found some very fishy elements to that story. Well, we also, um, we incentivized the workers and we got done what would have been a year project in oh, six yeah. months. You know, I'm going to cut you off because this is getting derailed. But I will say I thought that thing was a scam from the beginning. They were that I think they knew exactly how long it was going to take. And they they kind of back end loaded it, gave them too much time and then said, but if you get it done in this amount of time, which for sure was going to happen, we'll give you this outsized profit. I did not like that. I don't have any evidence. There was funny business there. But as soon as I heard about that contract in advance, I said, oh, it's definitely going to be done ahead of time because of that. So anyway, I don't like getting derailed like that. But I'm going to get back on track to see. That's when I start to think there's something to what we're doing here, Binkley. And we have to stand firm and get back to what we're talking about. So what were you, what did you find that I was talking about earlier? Some redirection thing? You found the language on that, Binkley? Yeah. Go. 
Oh, oh. am I? Ah, sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to do that. You do that to callers all the time. Just like, you're on. They've been waiting for 45 minutes. And then they're just like, what? What? I mean, huh? what? On the air? <laughs> sorry. I got it right here. Go. It says, this from the Christchurch call document. It says, this may include using algorithms and other processes to redirect users from such content or the promotion of credible, positive alternatives or counter-narratives. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's all over the place. That is all over the place in this document. And so tell me what you think that means. I mean, I, I, I think we both know. That's but... just propaganda. That's describing right. propaganda straight up. We're going to point you to what we want you to believe reality is. And it says civil society to promote community-led efforts, so it doesn't sound like official government propaganda. No. It's... You see that? That's what the paragraph says. I see it now. Oh, yeah. To counter violent extremism in all its forms. And that's it, like the counter narratives. If if you are counter to the main narrative, the one that they're directing people to, I don't know if it really matters all that much what you're actually saying or doing. It's going to be categorized. Oh, yeah. I actually have a note there that says, are terrorists just conscientious objectors? Yeah. Because I think Kissinger said one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. There you go. And then because we were involved in these in revolutionary movements in South America. So like people are like, but this is these are it's what we're doing now. I mean, literally, we're, we're in these places that had democratic elections, really ones that stood up to scrutiny. I hate to say it, you know, like I don't there's no I don't think there's any way around it in in I think they had a recount for Chavez. In Venezuela back in the day, I think George Bush was like, that guy's illegitimate. Like, OK, let's do it again. Watch, <laughs> you know, seriously. So and Crimea, too. People are like, oh, that was totally a legitimate election. I don't think so. Do not think so. Egypt, we were on board with that. If it was crooked, it was us who made it crooked for Morsi. And now anyway, so just because they're on our side doesn't we'll call them a freedom fighter. Osama bin Laden was our freedom fighter in Afghanistan, according to Hillary's congressional testimony. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And the bin Ladens are still big in, in Saudi Arabia. And I'll tell you this. So there's all this stuff. There was a, a, a headline yesterday, or maybe it was even today, that showed it, Saudi Arabia is just pummeling Yemen, from what I understand, and we're helping. And they all they talk about is, well, they're in Yemen uh, pummeling Iranian-connected rebels, but there's no government there. The government ran away. Like, there is no rebels. They're just getting pummeled by Saudi Arabia. Like, help, help. You can't blame them for going to anyone who... These are like proxy wars or whatever. These are wars for domination between Saudi Arabia and Iran, at least. That's the at least what we're talking about here. So if Saudi Arabia is the bad actor, what do you think is going to happen to these people who are weak? They have to go to the opponent, whoever that is. And... And when my point is that when you look at what's happening there, we're like, well, Saudi Arabia is our ally, therefore they're right. But they're not right. They're not right. They are not a democratic society. They're 15 of the 19 9-11 hijackers were Saudi. I believe that's undisputed. Osama bin Laden was Saudi. We created him. And it goes on and on. Iran didn't attack us on 9-11. So I'm not taking sides in this. I'm just saying because they're on our side doesn't make them the freedom fighter versus the terrorists. But that's the label you put on them. And when they talk about terrorists, it's like that newspeak or what the communists used to say. My father always taught me that. Like when the communists say peace, they mean anything that furthers the state. 
So yeah. it could be war. It doesn't. It's not that peace means war, but peace means anything that furthers the state. It's just legitimized. It's a legitimizing term. And then the other thing was violent extremism. And I can't help but remember what the ADL guy said when he was giving Tim Cook the You're My Hero Award. What the So Tim Cook went on his pontifical, whatever, pontificated for a long time. But in the little period of time the, the introducer, the presenter had to tell what this award was for, he said for Tim Cook's work in suppressing or reducing whatever, and removing, deplatforming, and dangerous anti-government conspiracy theories. So there are those words, those legitimizing words that paint people, that, that delegitimize political discourse or differing political views. This is Monica Perez, 800-WSB Talk, uh, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Everything you do is being watched by some all-seeing eye. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. So, Binkley, it's Monica. Hey, Monica. Hi. I mean, I know you know it's Monica. Just telling, <laughs> I, I couldn't, I forget. He always says it, but it's sometimes I'm supposed to say it. So, this is Monica Perez on WSB with Brad Binkley, my producer. Brad. Okay. <laughs> So we're looking at this thing. It says to the, the intro, I probably should have read this. It says, yeah, it says develop effective interventions based on trusted information, sharing about the effects of algorithm and other processes to redirect users from fill in the blank type of content. So this is the Christchurch call. So when, let's just recap real quick. When the Christchurch massacre, as it was told to us emerged it was it seemed like it ticked off all the buttons they wanted it was like this white nationalist guy who's against immigrants he was anti-muslim he was radicalized online he used guns he live streamed it and it was pretty clear that if they were if the if that what that guy was doing fed right into the hands of the people who wanted to suppress speech and guns so much so as a matter of fact that he was quoted as saying, I know that this, or that I'm paraphrasing, but I know that what I'm doing is going to spur a crackdown. I'm just hoping it spurs the revolution. Yeah. You know, whatever, the counter to the crackdown. Because it was so obvious. I mean, it'd be, it, so now they're like, it's like a, it's like a psyop within a psyop within a psyop. Yeah. That's accelerationism. We've talked about that before. Trying to expedite yes. the process of yes. the downfall. Yes. And so when when you see that, it's funny because I've noticed that if it's not a leak or accidentally released, nobody really believes it's true. So that's like how we get our news <laughs> now. Like someone accidentally unredacts yeah. something, whatever. So this has gotten to the point where – so policies are generated not by discourse but by reactions to events. Mm -hmm. And now it's even to the point where the actor within the event is anticipating the reaction and claiming to want the opposite reaction of the thing he stimulated as being yet another element of the dialect. So he's introducing the concept I'm going to coin as the trialectic. It's, it's some real 5D chess going on here. <laughs> the first use of the trialectic. Let's talk about it after the break. This is Monica Perez. 
Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. You're a libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6, waking Atlanta up to the true threats to your liberties. And I just want to take an aside here on something Trump did that to me is the greatest contribution to his legacy to date, including his entire life, not just as a president. Binkley, my producer, I think you know what I'm talking about because I told you. (laughs) Do you? Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not sure. Tell me. He pardoned Conrad Black. Oh, right. Now I remember. I know. You knew. You knew. Stop looking at my notes. So here's the thing. Conrad Black was a media mogul. I believe he is a literally a lord, like in the House of Lords in England, even though he was Canadian. Like, that's how, how high his star rose. He was, this is not the kind of guy you would think I would ever defend or be in at, would ever need defending. He was on the steering committee of the Bilderberg Group. Wow. Yes, which people think the Bilderberg group is like a fantasy of conspiracy theorists. It's totally not. And I have evidence that William Weld signed off on and Heidi Cruz signed off on a CFR document that talked about establishing a an organization outside the legislatures of Canada, Mexico and the U.S. to operate like a Bilderberg group where they tell legislators how to legislate, which is completely unconstitutional and illegal and all that. It's real. It's a conspiracy. It interferes with our sovereignty. It It's a uh, foreign entity interfering in our political processes. Uh, so this is not a guy who I would normally like. I have to say, though, his writing is sublime. It's really? Like, yes, sublime. I'm not saying I read a book, by his, but I'm just reading this article of himself saying this is what happened to me. And I was going to just, like, paraphrase it, but... His writing, I mean, it just makes you laugh, makes you cry in like a three-page article. Reminds me of, if you haven't read or if people haven't heard of this book, uh, Witness by Whitaker Chambers. Binkley, you would love it. He wrote Whit- Whitaker Chambers wrote this book, I think, in the 30s, where he had been a communist, a dyed-in-the-wool communist and activist and everything. And then after St- uh, Stalin made an alliance with Hitler— he woke up and he became he's the one who testified against Alger Hiss. It's where when I tell you about the Manchurian candidate, how many communists, 55 communists in the State Department. That comes from that whole trial where uh, Alger Hiss was Alger Hiss was um, on trial and went to jail for being mm-hmm. a communist. So he. Whitaker Chambers wrote this great book, and uh, and the writing was sublime. So is Conrad Black's here. And what he said, what happened to him was he he was like basically railroaded. I don't know why. I could never figure out who was after him or why. And uh, and I found finally. It was just overzealous judges, including Richard Posner, who is a very famous guy. And ultimately what he did was he was on he was on the uh, block for honest services fraud, which is what Lori Lachlan's on the block for. And what happened there is uh, 
that I'm getting a little interference here. Sorry. So what he was on the block for was honest services fraud. And that the Supreme Court on his case dismissed all the charges and then brought it back to the lower court and said, revisit it for your errors. And they put him in jail anyway. They actually rewrote the honest services fraud statute because it was so vague. And that's what they're trying to railroad Lori Lachlan with. And he spent year, a couple of years in jail. His company went bankrupt. All the shareholders lost all their money. And, uh, and he, even the thing that they said he did, he didn't really do. He wasn't obstructing justice or anything. He was literally moving from one office to another, moving boxes that the investigation had already okayed for him to take. But he didn't. his secretary didn't get it signed by them that he was allowed to take them out of the office. And on that flimsy evidence alone, they sent him up the river. So since then, he's out of jail, but he's not allowed to come into this country. And he wrote a glowing book about... Trump, I guess. And he seems like the kind of guy who would like Trump. It doesn't surprise me that he would write that book. And Trump called and said, I'm letting you off based on this miscarriage of justice. And I would say he's so right. And then if you but if you Google it right now, all you're going to see is I saw one headline. I should have saved it. I think it was Vanity Fair. Trump. Trump pardons fraudster con man buddy who wrote glowing book about him of course (laughs) and and it's so totally not true because this guy he did it i mean there's nothing there it's really a shocking story so i I, he would definitely get my hashtag justice in jeopardy if he were still in jail now i'm thinking if this holds up i'll I'll put a hashtag up there trump really is batman because this was an amazing thing and if trump did this for ross ulbricht which he should I will never say another net critical word of Trump. I, I'll, uh, yep. Threw down the gauntlet. Oh, yes. If he does this for Russ Albrecht, I will, I will absolutely, I'm not saying I'm going to praise him or make stuff up, but I will absolutely never criticize him again. I, I, I would man. love if that happened tomorrow just to see how you would react. I would love it. would be a small price to pay. Russ Albrecht is the guy who's in jail saving, serving, and I say this over and over again, people are like, I heard you say that already, because there is someone in jail serving double life plus 40 with no chance of parole in a maximum security prison for building a website. Yeah. You know, and he got convicted without being able to bring in the evidence that would have cast serious doubt on the so-called evidence that he was guilty. So, Trump free Ross. Hashtag free Ross. So, okay, that brings me to, uh, I want to get back to the censorship stuff that we were talking about, and I, I, I wanted an update from you. I think this folds into some of the stuff we were talking about on 5G. So last week, people can go to our website, thepropreport.com, and listen to last week's show without commercials and hear your kind of special report on 5G. And I speculated either on air or off air or whatever that what uh, along with I guess this is the 50th anniversary of the moon landing so like the moon landing hoaxers whatever anti-vaxxers 
And then there would be 5G resistors. That wasn't, it wasn't there yet. I didn't think it was there yet because there's just so much evidence that 5G is terrible for you and no evidence that it isn't. They're forcing it down to the localities, to local governments. You cannot fight it. And it hasn't been fully vetted. And it's actually admitted that it's not fully vetted, but that we can't wait to see what harm it might do or China will beat us. I mean, that's messed up. So... I said, well, the next the next thing is going to be that people, the 5G resistors, are going to be demonized as these dangerous anti-government conspiracy theorists. And lo, lo, it said in an article that you were reading me basically that very thing, right? Detail. Yeah, it was a New York Times article published last week with, that says, your 5G phone won't hurt you, but Russia wants you to think otherwise. And that dovetails with what you were telling us about – because who did that come from? That came from – it was published in the New York Times, and the main sources that are used in this article to say that Russia is behind this spread of disinformation is New Knowledge, which conducted the false flag during the Alabama special election where they posed as Russian bots. This is admitted and also happens to be the same group that wrote the Senate intelligence – thing on Russian disinformation. Right, which had a laundry list of stuff we're not allowed to believe or we're Russian, yes. right? <laughs> so now add to the list of stuff you're not allowed to believe or you're Russian, 5G is bad. 5G. Or 5G should be studied. 5G should be approached with caution. Is that all Russian propaganda? Actually, that was they RT is the one they call RT the the cat paw of Putin. A nice, <laughs> that's a you know, good nice one. metaphor there. That's a great one. I love it. And they it just get, has such great imagery that they're they're toying with us, right? They get a comment from RT, and RT gives a very reasonable reaction, similar to what you just said. I can't find the exact wording yeah. here in the article. But then... Questions are good. Questions yeah, are not question, dangerous. We're, just, just, we're exploring the questions. Not and asking studied. questions is dangerous. Exactly. And then the New York Times article immediately talks about how aggressive their propaganda is right after a very reasonable quote from Right, and RT. they're so... And they're the ones with the aggressive... What are the Vanity Fair aggressive thing? This con man fraudster, yeah. uh, Trump upsucker is getting uh, this unfair part and he's already did his time there's nothing to it it doesn't even matter he's not getting his money back he will never be made whole for that i mean that guy there is no justification for what happened to him i mean the criminal justice is my hope he writes an expose oh, he maybe already did i should plug back into his story so um, here's what rt justice. says mm-hmm. if we have time yeah, go. It said this was their response. Nothing I've seen says the book is closed, referring to 5G. Uh, I think there's lots of unanswered questions. Before we commit to something on this scale, shouldn't we consider it um, if people could possibly get hurt? That that was their response. Those animals. Yeah, they're crazy. How dare they? They just hate America. They must. Obviously. So and why? People. We shouldn't even let them publish in English. Why is that even allowed? We should really attack them right now. <laughs> they could. They they could. They definitely are asking for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, new knowledge called that quote uh, information warfare. New knowledge. Yeah. The guy from New Knowledge at the New York Times 
um, quoted. Who I, I can remember, I think you said it at the beginning, three things they did. They posed as Russian bots to discredit Roy Moore. Yeah. They fostered, I believe, untrue stories about him chasing after young girls. They, they amplified them, spread right. them. Right. And they they fostered extreme conservative alternatives in the primary, right? To Yes, they created Facebook party, pages yeah, that had disinformation, right. and, and they got banned from Facebook. And in their apology and in all the media coverage of it, it says over and over again, but it didn't have an impact on this election. This razor-thin election who our mm-hmm. man at Voter GA says Roy Moore probably still won. Yeah. So let's let's wrap that up and uh, put a cherry on top after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's like everything I've been brought up to believe was all made of bull****. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. All right, Binkley, are you ready to put that cherry on top? Let's put the cherry on top. Go for it. So the New York Times, which had this article blaming uh, health concerns uh, about 5G on Russian propaganda, buried deep in the article is the mention that the New York Times happened to enter into an agreement with Verizon, one of the the 5G providers in the United States, to create what's called a 5G lab at the New York Times where they will be uh, using 5G to create the revolution in digital news telling. Right, so anybody who smack talks 5G is uh, not welcome at the New York Times, and nope. they've got new knowledge to back them up. But I, there's a couple of things I wanted to get back to get in there about Conrad Black. One thing he said was that Robert Mueller, as director of the FBI during his case, uh, he caught that uh, he said Robert Mueller's FBI he caught the FBI installing illegal bun- bugging devices in his home in New York as well as engaged in many falsehoods James Comey he throws under the bus but it, what I really want to do is leave uh leave you leave this story anyway on a high note I want to read what he with the end of this story he tells about himself which you can find at the prop report we have a forum called the pool as in the press pool where you can join us and share your headlines, share your thoughts on the headlines we share. And this story is in there, the Conrad Black story. I have links to it so you can read it yourself. I don't have the nerve to paraphrase Conrad Black. It's just fantastic. So he says this is his last paragraph, uh, talking about the injustice that he met and how it ruined his life and all that. It says, for my friends, no explanation was ever necessary. For my enemies... None would ever have sufficed. As I told the trial judge at resentencing, I always try to take success like a gentleman and reversals like a man onto better things and brighter days. Mm. I got goosebumps. Yeah, it's inspiration. Inspiring words of a man about to die. You know, metaphorically, like the gladiators. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, on that... Interesting and uplifting notes. See, I love these guys. Whitaker Chambers was like that, too. Like, just always as a touchstone, the high road. I think that they're trying to eradicate that in this life. But we can keep it alive. Keep the nobility of man front and center, however way you can. And we'll try to help you with that next Saturday from 3 to 6 on The Monica Perez Show.